Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. I don't understand this protection of Fetterman. Don't these reporters know they look ridiculous, sound ridiculous? These people on Twitter, they are ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. You're saying that John Fetterman, the the Senate candidate in, in Pennsylvania, is not okay? What, are you a doctor? I didn't diagnose the man. I got eyes. In the same way I know that Joe Biden isn't okay. In the same way I knew seven months ago, talking to my mother on the phone, that she was having a problem. We note what isn't okay. We note when people in our lives have problems. We note what a norm is, and we note what is not the norm. And sometimes we have to say, okay, maybe they're not of the norm. But then we note, hey, maybe that's a sign of a problem. Maybe that's a sign of an issue. Do you know the levels to which you have to purposefully and willfully and wantonly dumb yourself down to not notice a problem? Have you ever noticed that we have airports where we take people who are in their 80s and in wheelchairs and we're like, oh, no, you got to get frisked. You think they've got the bomb, do you? Well, what we say is, well, it's for our safety. And so we purposely and willfully dumb ourselves down to think this is normal. When it's not normal, the 84-year-old from Alabama doesn't have the bomb, nor does the 84-year-old from Indiana or North Dakota or most probably California, New York, and Florida. They ain't the ones with the bomb. But we say, well, you know, we have to we have to do this for our safety. And so we take TSA agents with their blue gloves and we say, oh, this is your infant child. Well, let's just check the diaper. We dumb ourselves down and think that this is normal. Ain't none of this normal. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, so good to be with you. 833, got Tony, 833-468-8669. John Fetterman had a stroke in May, and John Fetterman is not okay. And I don't need a medical degree to say it. I don't need it. John Fetterman is not okay. The man had a stroke. The man is not cogent in his sentences. And we have seen now that he has a very hard time understanding what is asked of him. Something that would be pretty important for a U.S. senator. But don't worry, people like Joy Behar are here to defend him because, well, what about Herschel Walker? I just wanted to add on the Fetterman conversation. Yeah, yeah. That what makes the Republicans think that Herschel Walker is coherent and he hasn't had a stroke? That's a valid point. I'm going to read to you what her... Is that, is that a valid point? It's not a valid point, Sonny Hostin. You are embarrassing people. If you want to argue that Herschel Walker, the Republican nominee for Senate in Georgia, is a dope, feel free... But I can argue that John Fetterman is a ridiculous, embarrassing human being with absolutely horrific progressive policies, and he couldn't lead if his life depended on it. Everywhere he goes, he has left nothing. 
He is a man who has graduated up to this unbelievable level at lieutenant governor by doing what? Exactly my point. Now let's get to the crux of the matter. He did have a stroke, and he's not okay. And there should be people who should want to care for him. Yet you continue to run him, and you demand that everybody say he's fine. And when someone's like, whoa, 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 he's not fine, you attack that person. This is what has happened to Dasha Burns over there at NBC, who was the one who said he couldn't do small talk. We had the in-person interview. He couldn't do the small talk. He couldn't understand really the questions, so we had to write them out. And we had to display them on a computer screen. And then people are like, well, well, as you know, this, this was, uh, what, what, what's his name? Lawrence O'Donnell from MSNBC. I must confess, I can't do my show without looking at a teleprompter. Just like anybody else who's got a television show and, and is talking about this subject. Uh, first things first, I do my show without a teleprompter. I do six hours a day without a teleprompter. I do write myself some notes, and you've heard me say I'm fine with note cards, but I do it without a teleprompter. But my gosh, what an ignorant statement. The teleprompter is because you have a script and you read from the script. The fact that you couldn't do it extemporaneously has something to do with your lack of ability, Lawrence, but that's not the subject. In TV, they read off the teleprompter. John Fetterman isn't reading off a teleprompter because he's engaged in some television address. He is reading the question because when asked the question, he cannot put it together. And his answers are not well put together. It's okay he had a stroke. Is, is, is the plan just not to notice that at all? No, the plan is to now go after this NBC reporter, Dasha Burns. More and more and more people going after her. Well, I, I interviewed him and he was just fine. I don't know what you're saying. The plan is to destroy Associated Press reporting. NBC reporter's interview with Fetterman draws criticism. No, it's that the reporter dared to say he's not okay. We did find that in small talk before the interview without captioning, it seemed it was difficult for Fetterman to understand our conversation. Kara Swisher is like, that's just nonsense. Maybe this reporter is just bad at small talk. I don't know when Kara Swisher uh, became so important to everyone. You attack the reporter. The reporter doesn't agree with you. The reporter notices something and says it, and you're like, well, that's the, I checked the script, and I, and I checked the teleprompter. That's not what we're supposed to say about Democrats. So therefore, you're evil. Female reporter attacking female reporter for not saying the right things about a Democrat. Is anybody going to tell Kara Swisher to go to hell? What is this? If you had said, hey, I interviewed him, I thought he was fine. That's different. Maybe this reporter is just bad at small talk, is attacking a reporter. If Kara Swisher was attacked, all oh, the sexism talk would be going everywhere, baby. 
Swisher saying of Fetterman, I was really quite impressed with how well he's doing. Everyone can judge for themselves. The attacks on Fetterman because of his health are appalling. They're not attacks. Noticing is not an attack. And the people who tell you otherwise need to be pushed aside. This is my Twitter feed today. My Twitter feed today, when uh, I referred to Lawrence O'Donnell, who I was talking about earlier from MSNBC, his tweet as ignorant, um, I had somebody write, did a doctor besides uh, Oz, who he refers to as the diet supplement scammer, say he wasn't? I don't need a doctor to tell me. I've got eyes. People forget that you can notice things. The expert might be able to tell you what the specific thing is, but you're allowed to notice that somebody ain't okay. I say this about my mother. My mother, um, seven months ago, um, could not answer a question. Went from fine to, to, to not fine. The cognition gone. Couldn't answer a question. She would try. She was trying to answer the question because it was obvious that in the moment she understood a question had been asked to her. But then she couldn't do it. And so my mother couldn't do it. She spent quite a few uh, uh, weeks, months overall in hospitals trying to figure this out, which a little bit of learning not to out my mother. I had no idea, ladies, that urinary tract infections can lead to delirium. I did not know such a thing. Not a doctor. You know what I knew? My mother wasn't okay. That's not her. And as a son or as a rational person, I said, hey, you're not okay. That's what rational people do. So it was a, a UTI, and then, then as we were digging in, there were some other things, and my mother's terrific now. It, it, was a, it was a long road. There were a couple of things going on. Oh, my gosh. It was not an easy 2022 for that woman or the rest of the family. Good now, thank goodness. But can you imagine the argument? You need a doctor to tell you that. You're not allowed to notice if someone's okay or not okay. And when asked by somebody else on Twitter, do you think we need a doctor to see that he's not okay? The guy's like, yeah, since he simply used an accessibility aid that lots of other disabled people use, I think you do. He's not disabled. What are you talking about? The man was fine and had a stroke, and right now he's not fine. You can just say that. I do. If you ask me, based on how he's engaged other conversations, do I believe there's a cognition issue? Yes, I do. And as a voter, I'm not going to be told, well, you're not allowed to think that. Click, going for the other guy or another guy or I'm staying home. He's not okay. And you're not crazy for saying so. The defense of him, the defense by attacking anyone who should dare question, that's the story. That's the story. You're not allowed to question what you know with your own eyes to be true. You're not allowed to question what the TSA does to your 84-year-old grandma or your infant child. You just dumb yourself down now. You're not allowed to notice that John Fetterman's not okay. You just have to dumb yourself down and we'll tell you that everything's fine and you'll accept everything's fine. And if you don't accept it, we'll call you an ableist.
we'll call that's right that if you you're saying they're not able-bodied so therefore like a racist or a sexist you're an ableist that's i swear to you oh they got a term for everything my advice to you is don't be dumb i don't give a damn what kara swisher says that guy's not all right she thinks he's all right okay but i got eyes and he ain't all right Dasha Burns is like, hey, he wasn't able to answer the questions. Well, that's interesting. I felt no need to attack her. I feel no need. You've noticed I've never brought up Kara Swisher a day in my life, except for maybe she was doing an interview with somebody. She decided to attack a reporter who dared notice that a Democrat isn't okay. That's why she did it. So Kara Swisher's fair game. Because she's part of the rallying the troops around the Democrats. Anything to win, anything to win, and they don't mind gaslighting you and lying to you. How dare you notice? Keep your head down. We'll tell you what to think. That's what the political left has proven once again, whether it be from the elected side, whether it be from the pundit side, or whether it be from social media. Keep your head down. We'll tell you what to think. My advice to you, don't get dumbed down. Don't let them tell you what to think. Think for yourself. I'm Tony Katz. So in one of the dumber stories I came across, a Fox Business contributor has gone viral for saying in this world of inflation, oh man, the inflation numbers so insanely, ridiculously awful on the food prices, on the energy prices, uh, 8.1%. And yet the markets, man, have exploded. The market is up 745 right now. The futures were down huge. The market's up 745. I think everyone just lost their mind. Lost their mind. This guy was like, you know, I uh, I was out to lunch. I went to Taco Bell. Well, listen for yourself. I mean, admittedly, you want to know how bad inflation is? Yesterday, yes, I had a nice lunch at Taco Bell. Cost me about $28 at Taco Bell for lunch. People need to pay for those things, and they do that by getting jobs and getting in the economy and getting active and getting involved. Wait a minute. You spent $28 yeah. at Taco Bell for just yourself? <laughs> for lunch, yeah. It's, really? it's true. Okay. That's, that's a lot of chalupas. That that's is. an inflation story. That, that is. $28 by yourself for lunch. There's no way. It was on uh, Cavuto Coast to Coast. No way. Not possible. $28. Uh, James, uh, you're, you're in today. That's James, everybody. You can say hello to James. Um, $28 for Taco Bell? I definitely don't think I would ever spend $28 on Taco Bell or really any fast food joint, really. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but but you're 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 a special flower, and your body is a temple, and all that jazz. Uh, my question is: You've been to a Taco Bell, right? Yes, sir. You you've had some late night uh, drinking um, extravaganzas. Sure. If, yeah. 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 Sure. We'll go with that. Yes, we're gonna go with that. Twenty eight dollars at Taco Bell would get you a whole stinking ton of Taco Bell, wouldn't it? Uh, I believe it would. Yeah, it would at least get you good enough to get you through the rest of the night. My point is, is that it's it's too much. The the how how in the world are you eating twenty eight dollars worth of Taco Bell? I guess it depends on how inebriated you are at the time. 
there are only so many bean and cheese tacos one can ingest. All I'm saying is, is that uh, we need to know what this guy's uh, uh, secret is here. We need to know what the secret is here because $28. I am actually going to go out today. You know the last time I've been to a Taco Bell? Maybe 30 years. Maybe 30 years, but I got to go now. Now I got to go to Taco Bell and order $28 worth of Taco Bell to see what I get. But my problem is I'm not going to eat it. So I'm going to have to order it and then like just video it and photograph it and then give it to somebody. And be like, hey, here's another burrito or the chalupa. What do they have? What's the good thing? That, don't they have like uh, the, the thing with the Doritos? The Doritos Locos Taco? It's uh, like you haven't been to Taco uh, Bell yeah. in a while. The, the secret's out. Yeah, we figured it out. We don't don't lie to the people. They will always suss it out, man. First rule. First rule. Um, Doritos. What is it? The Doritos Locos Taco. Doritos Locos Taco. Okay, at Taco Bell. Let's see the ca- what is the calorie count on that mother? Uh, right there. This according to people at Fat Secret. It's only 170 calories. With 13 carbs, 8 grams of protein, and 360 milligrams of salt. That's it. Oh, I could do that. We could do that. Wait a second. I'm that's $28 might be well spent. $28. I'm looking at the menu. A soft taco is a buck sixty-nine. That's it. That is it. Here's here's the uh here's a burrito. A burrito is six seventy-nine. So I don't think, how many people are really getting the double steak grilled cheese burrito? Or the spicy double steak grilled cheese burrito? I, most people are just getting, you know, the, the, the little stuff and they're popping five or six of them. Because you would have to eat four. Four of these burritos and a soda to get to 28 bucks. And I don't believe, I don't believe you're doing it. I don't, I don't, I don't believe it. I don't believe anybody is having four double steak grilled cheese burritos from Taco Bell for lunch. No way. I I reject. I'm going to get videos, aren't I? I'm I'm going to I'm going to get videos. That's what's going to happen. That's going down. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'll make a video of my own. This is Tony Katz today. Find everything tonycats.locals.com. Take us through these numbers, the things that really jumped out. What caused this higher inflation? It, it is where exactly I told you it was coming from at 8 o'clock, which was the service sector. Um, you had a big rise in rents, but all, even you take the rents out, everybody says that's a lag indicator. There is just nothing in here to tell you that there's reason for the Fed to pivot. And I can tell you right now that one number here that is maybe the most significant. I've not seen this number before. Rick will either back me up or shoot me down. 483 on the peak funds rate. April 2023. I'm just making sure that's the high water mark. Uh, so yes, yes, it is. It April is. 2023. We were at 468 going into this 469. We've not seen a new funds right now. 483. And again, nothing in here. Everything the Fed looked, they had been 
medium term to long term wrong. Yeah. Short term, they've been right when they've been coming forward. And you had Mester, who took a little heat the other day, saying you can't even say inflation has peaked yet. Well, you can't even say inflation has peaked yet, at least in these numbers. We can argue about whether or not the Fed's watching the right, right numbers or not. But but you look at the, the, the panoply of service uh, uh, sector numbers in here and you see them rising. Because inflation has not peaked yet. It hasn't. These numbers are ugly, ugly stuff. The more you dig in, if you missed my conversation with Dr. Matt Will, economist, University of Indianapolis, I'll share it with you. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Guys, so good to be with you. TonyKatz.Locals.com. TonyKatz.Locals.com. That's where we're building the whole new world. A lot of people seem to be very excited about Tulsi Gabbard. I think you got to be a bit cautious of Tulsi Gabbard. The reason you got to be cautious in the same way I said be cautious of Kanye. He says something today you like, something tomorrow you're not going to like. There he was a little over a week ago talking about being pro-life. Made some people very, very happy. I totally get that. Somebody of of his stature in terms of uh, celebrity talking about being pro-life is a good thing. Not everybody is this pro-abortion insanity merchant. And then, of course... Uh, the anti-Semitism, and it was anti-Semitism. It, it is anti-Semitism. And I'm still digging into this whole idea that the Tucker Carlson interview, he said other things, and uh, did Tucker and his team edit it out, try to bury it? It would seem to me to be something that needs to be talked about. And I disagree with people like like Jonathan Tobin, uh, who, who discussed, you know, you shouldn't be even having these people on, on your programs. Uh, writing at a Jewish News Syndicate, uh, Jonathan Tobin, you know, it's it's wrong for Tucker Carlson to have Kanye on. It's wrong for Joe Rogan to have Roger Waters on. Pink Floyd, Roger Waters, anti-Semite. It's not wrong to have them on. It's wrong not to confront what it is that they're saying. I actually think it is at times important to hear the bigotry so you know it for yourself. Now, the other side of that argument, of course, is... You don't put them on because these people don't deserve your platform. Your platform. That's different than a platform. They can go out and get their own platform. They don't necessarily deserve your platform. I find both arguments legitimate, and I do admit that I give a back and forth. I tend to side on talk to people, even when they're awful. Just push back. Don't be afraid to push back. When Roger Waters says Israel is an apartheid state, of course he's wrong. He's been, a, he's been hating Jews his, his whole life that I've known his name. Now, Tucker and the editing of the Kanye interview, I have, some, I have serious questions about. Serious, serious questions about. But understand that in no way, shape, or form am I referring to Tulsi Gabbard as a bigot. That's, that's not happening. I ain't doing that at all. I've always liked on a personal level Tulsi Gabbard. Not. On a political level, I got the chance to interview her when I was in New Hampshire for the 2020 primaries, Democratic primaries. Uh, she, she was kind enough to come into the room and, and did the interview, and, and I greatly appreciate it. She was she was lovely. Just lovely. I've tried to get her on the show since, and there's like seven different uh, walls that, that you're trying to get over, go around, go through. But in the end, I think it's for so many of these people, it's it's a disdain. Oh, oh, your 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 Midwest media. Well, that's not really big enough. How big is your audience? 
my audience is nine people, but they're all prepared to donate $50 million. Is that good enough? How big is your audience? Uh, damn huge. <laughs> Thank you very much. But I, I, we, we did get turned down. I Just sharing it as it is, uh, something that she's going to have to work on with her team. You can't get to everything. I get that. But you had to, you, how big is your audience? No, no, no. How great is the audience? That's the, that's the question you should be asking. Tulsi Gabbard is going to be campaigning in New Hampshire for Republican Senate nominee Don Baldick. That's weird. And what's weird is that you have Republicans who think this is great. I have no thought about this being great. This isn't great because you're trying to eliminate what it is that Tulsi Gabbard is all about. You you can't eliminate what Tulsi Gabbard is all about. By the way, in the polling there, we'll go to the Trafalgar poll, 1,081 likely voters, 2.9% margin of error, Hassan 48, Bolduc 45. So that's plus three. So right outside the margin of error. I think people see this as a Democrat hold. And maybe she's campaigning with him because uh, he is he's former army. He's a, he was a general, wasn't he? Wasn't he, isn't he a former, I should say for, retired uh, a general? Yes, Army General. Got that right. They're both in the military. Maybe that's why she's she's doing it. But she is somebody who's, in, as, as has been described, an apologist for Putin, uh, conversations about Syria, never mind a position on, on guns and a whole host of things. Politically, she doesn't align. She does not align. Is she somebody you would want to have campaigning with you and if you say to me well tony what does it matter whoa 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 it matters greatly it matters when we talk about joe biden and people like representative tim ryan of ohio who's in a very tough race against republican jd vance get asked the question you're calling yourself an independent voice running for uh, running as a democrat you have choices to make in the coming weeks. Do you want President Biden to come to Ohio and publicly campaign with you in this final lap? No, no, I won't be asking the president to come in or um, very, very few, if any, national people, um, you know, to come in and actually campaign with us um, because I, I want to be the main face, the main messenger uh, of the, of this campaign. I- he brought in the conversation of other people to try and save face and save the face of uh, Joe Biden, who can we discuss the fact that he did it again? Just real quick. Can we discuss the fact that Joe Biden did it again and brought up Bo Biden, brought up his son who passed away from brain cancer, but it's how he did it. It's like he's looking for reasons to talk about this. He did it again telling a crowd in Colorado that his son lost his life in Iraq. Soldiers of the campaign learned to scale rock, ski, and survive, preparing for the war they were about to fight. The pivotal moment came, as the senator pointed out, in February 1945. A surprise Allied attack in the mountains in Italy. Imagine, it's pitch black, punishing cold, the mission high in the mountains that hinged on the skill, strength, and stamina 
that could have only been gained in a place like this. They're more than ready. They were more than ready that day and since then. American soldiers in the 10th Mountain Division scaled that 1,800-foot cliff at night, caught the Germans by surprise, captured, captured key positions, and broke through the German defense line at a pivotal point in the war. Just imagine, I mean it sincerely, I say this as a father of a man who won the Bronze Star, the Conspicuous Service Medal, and lost his life in Iraq. Imagine the courage, the daring, and the genuine sacrifice, genuine sacrifice they all made. Your son died of brain cancer and not in Iraq. Although I appreciate the story because many people might not know all these stories. And certainly we have to question whether or not we have a military that can actually do those things again. Not that they're not capable, but they're not trained to be capable. Bo Biden died of brain cancer at Walter Reed Hospital in 2015. And it's very obvious that Joe Biden is very far from over it. And as a parent who has never gone through that, I have no idea what that's like. What is the idea of getting over it? No, no clue. I do know that every time he lies and brings up his son as some kind of shield or some kind of, hey, look at me, it's an insult. I find it gross. Lord only knows how people who have lost their children uh, to battle in the military, in law enforcement, how they feel about such a thing. But back to Tulsi Gabbard. Do you campaign with her? I'm serious. Do you campaign with her? I don't, I don't know if I do. I saw, was it Jesse Kelly? I think Jesse was talking about the fact that, you know, sometimes you just need allies in the fight, and even they're not perfect. Uh, you're not in a position to say no to the allies, so you take the ally. I don't, that doesn't mean I campaign with the ally. There's there's the the, the, the rub. If you're talking about a, a conversation of, uh, to, to quote a George Bushism, strategery, you won't get me to disagree. You know, it's very much a Reagan-esque, if you're with me 80% of, of the way, you're with me. But I don't know if I'd go campaigning with her. She left the Democratic Party. That much is true. Wouldn't she have to leave a couple of positions for you to be campaigning with her? Or do you focus on, hey, we agree on free speech. Hey, we agree uh, uh, on the fact that the Progressive Party is this bigoted group of people that wants to bring race into everything to try and shut people up and demonize others, dehumanize others, and are really destroying the fabric of America as opposed to engaging conversations about the issues, as we've often talked about here regarding education. I want to teach the good, the great, and the bad, and the ugly of America. I want to teach the totality of slavery. It is without question obscene that I went my whole life not knowing about the Tulsa race massacre. I can tell you that in high school and to the extent I went to college, that was never discussed. That's a worthy discussion. That's a worthy, worthy discussion. It is bothersome. I don't say no to that. But I want to teach the totality of slavery. 
Meaning not only do I want to teach about slavery in the United States, I want to teach about slavery the world over. And I want to teach about who sold whom into slavery, which is a conversation of black families selling black families into slavery. We have to discuss the evil that men do, and it isn't about color when we talk about evil. Is that a hard thing to understand for some? Yes, because if it isn't in a construct, a specific color construct, they don't know how to talk about it because the whole construct is built on trying to hurt the other person, shame the other person, get one over on the other person as opposed to, my gosh, look what history has done to one another. You want to talk about how uh, Christopher Columbus shouldn't be celebrated. Well, I think Christopher Columbus should be celebrated. You want to talk about how uh, these indigenous peoples were leading these perfectly happy, peaceful lives. And then here comes the white man with his white stuff. First of all, I, 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 I don't know what to say except to laugh to that. Because if you think that the original indigenous people of the Americas were kind and sweet, I don't think you understand what tribal life was really like. It's obvious. It's clear. You don't want to teach slavery. You want to teach a sanitized version of the subject that fits your political ideology, not me. I want to teach. We should understand the horrors that man has done to man and how we have to work to not allow that happen because it is so easy to fall into these traps. Look at what history has done and look at the nation nations that have been able to overcome and how did they do it and takes longer than you want but it happens when you stay at it which i believe is the the story of america maybe we wanted to end slavery sooner we did end slavery you could always argue it could have happened sooner it should have happened from the start but it didn't yet we built a nation that could allow it to happen and here we are and how do we go from here and how do we grow from here so you know tulsi gabbard in having a conversation about the, the, the issues and the evils of the progressive party, good to hear from. But she has other issues that I don't think you simply, you know, hide from or put blinders on and say, oh, it doesn't matter. Which means maybe you don't bring her on the campaign trail, but you're glad she's saying what she's saying and you support her speaking freely because you support free speech. I don't know if I'd campaign with her. And I like her, not her politics, as a person. I'm Tony Katz. This story about Mark Wahlberg, the the actor, moving his family out of California to Nevada, that's a great story. Because it's the story of, of you. It's this idea that some things are universal. Now, don't get me wrong, Mark Wahlberg most probably has more money than you do. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today has more money than I do, and, and, that, and that's fine. Good on him. All, all the best to you. He sold his home in Los Angeles, I think it was for $87 million, or it was on the market for $87 million, so we don't know the sale price. Let's assume it was $87 million. Um, he bought six acres in Vegas for about eight and a quarter million dollars in 2009. And the house has 12 bedrooms and 20 bathrooms. Or did he, oh, that, oh no, no, that's when he bought the Los Angeles house. He bought the LA house for eight and a quarter, then built the house for the land, built the house on it, and then sold it for 87.5. Not a bad investment. He has more money than you. Now he's going to move to Nevada where he's going to have a, a new movie studio. He's going to try and make it Hollywood uh, 2.0. He's got a, 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 
apparel company he's going to try and build out of Nevada, which also has no uh, income tax, by the way. Um, and he wants to give his family a better life. It's why you move, maybe not at those kinds of dollars, but it's why people move with their feet. It's so important that states are able to operate in this independent way. States have rights, and, and the people who argue that states shouldn't have rights, we should all be one homogenized country, don't quite understand the premise and the promise of, of America and this concept of states. This concept of states is remarkably important. So you have the ability to say, you know what, this place isn't working, I'm going to another state, but you're still in the same country. Because a lot of states don't work, they don't put together good, valuable policies, which is why people leave California, and California doesn't change their ways. But better they move to Nevada, uh, you know, than, than, I don't know, maybe close to you and me. Although if you let too many Californians in, they will ruin Nevada, and they've certainly been trying, like they've been trying in Arizona, like they've been trying in Colorado. That's how it works. Find everything, TonyCats.Locals.com, TonyCats.Locals.com. Keep it right here, guys. I've got so much more. This is Tony Katz today.